Hi, this is Daniel from the Together Network, and I'm continuing a podcast or a talk on how to share the gospel relationally. I suppose you might call it friendship evangelism. And last time I talked, I described a bit of my story about how I moved to Hobart to join a group of people who were building friends in a pub, meeting at the same time and the same place in order to build a community and to create friendships and to move from friendly conversations to meaningful conversations. And I also shared a few tips and tricks that I'd learned along the way to help Christians who might struggle to build relationships with everyday people who aren't in the church. But in the second part of this talk, I really want to move from meaningful conversations or just building friendships to actually having spiritual conversations. And the term I use is how do you build the spiritual temperature of a friendship and a relationship in order to see where people are at? Are people interested in you or are they interested in the Jesus part of you? Are people interested in being your friend or actually is there a deeper existential longing in their life where they're seeking friendship with Jesus, with their creator, with the one who made them and loves them and redeemed them? So if you recall my story from last time, by meeting in the pub at the same time in the same place and having friendly and meaningful conversations, we ended up as a community of Jesus followers building a large group of people around us who didn't yet know Jesus, people who might have been inquiring about Christ, but mainly who enjoyed drinking with us. And we thought we were doing a fantastic job at being missionaries, at, at being disciple makers. And yet, year after year went by, and we kept drinking, and we kept building friendships, and we kept trying to talk a bit about our faith, but what we found is that no one was interested. In fact, in the time we spent at that pub trying new fresh expressions of church, not a single person decided to follow Jesus as Lord and Savior. No one became baptized who wasn't already a Christian, and it was just really disheartening. And it led us to a, a time of soul searching and of getting on our knees and saying, well, God, we're connecting with people. We've got lots of friends and lots of people we love, but no one is interested in knowing Jesus. And what is it that we are doing wrong in terms of the way in which we're sharing our faith? And it was really hard for us to confront the reality that what we were doing was not working from the perspective of the Great Commission. And over time, we realized there was a lot that we weren't doing well. You know, we weren't soaking our mission in prayer. We weren't preparing ourselves for spiritual warfare. We weren't meeting communally and praying and worshiping and, and I suppose, loving Jesus so that we could remain passionate about Jesus ourselves. But out of everything we, we weren't doing well, I suppose there's one thing that really stands out to me from that time. And what I think we did well was friendship, but what we did badly was mission and discipleship. And actually, I realized that there's a difference. And I realized that actually building friendships, even as a community, even if we love Jesus, won't actually lead people to find Jesus if we don't talk about him and if we don't share the gospel. The gospel is not just something we do with our lives. It's actually a word. It's a message that comes out of our mouth. And we'd flipped it so far the other way that people simply couldn't find him. A few years later, I stumbled upon a quote by Steve Timmis. And I know that he's a somewhat controversial figure nowadays, but this quote is great. He says, Social action without proclamation is like a signpost pointing nowhere. Worse still, it is likely to imply either that salvation is synonymous with socioeconomic betterment or that salvation is through good works like those I am doing. 
Now, look, that's a bit of a complicated quote, but essentially what Steve is saying is that if we build friendships, if we serve people, if we love others in a really deep way, even if it's motivated by our love for Jesus, but we don't proclaim his message, if we don't speak the word of God and actually tell people that Jesus died and rose again to rescue them from their sin and death, or however we share the message, if we don't speak about Jesus, then at best, we're a signpost that points nowhere. And at worst, we're a signpost that points to ourselves. And this is exactly what we experienced after years of building friendships at the pub. You see, people liked us and they liked what they saw in us. They liked our lives. They liked our conversations. They liked how we loved them and they liked who we were. Uh, And they probably even liked Jesus in us. They wanted to be like us. And yet, because we didn't share the gospel, because we didn't speak about Jesus and point people in his direction clearly enough, we ended up being a signpost that pointed nowhere. They just couldn't find Christ. Or worse still, and this is what really happened, I believe, we pointed to ourselves. And people thought we were great people rather than us saying that actually our lives are marked by Jesus And it's him who gives us the life we have today. And so what I'm not saying is that all the things we learned in those years was bad. It was wonderful. We learned to be authentic. We learned to connect with everyday people. We learned to love people, build friendships, and have meaningful conversations. But we realized that if people were to discover Christ and have a renewed life and true hope, then we would need to actually point people in his direction using our words. And a critical scripture that gave us clues about how to do this is Luke 10, 1-12, and it's about the person of peace. You know, if the Great Commission is to go out into the world and make disciples, that's what our mission is. And if the Great Commandment is to love God and to love others, so that's the texture of what it looks like to do the Great Commission, I actually think that in Luke 10 we find the great strategy. It's the great strategy for how to do mission and evangelism. And it's beautiful. So I won't read it all because it is long, but let me read a little bit. Luke 10, chapter 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there eating and drinking whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Now, the rest of it is is really important, but I'm just going to stick with what we've read in terms of Luke 10, chapter 1 to chapter 7. And there's some beautiful concepts here which are so useful, and I wish I knew them in my pub days. Uh, Firstly, obviously, the the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And we know this, okay, that that God is out there. and, And even in secular cultures like where I live, where people seem so hardened to the gospel, the Spirit of God is out there. The missional God is out amongst the world. He is drawing people to himself and he is wooing people that he is calling to return to him. Uh, There just aren't enough workers like you and I to go out 
and to share the gospel and to lead people to know him. It's like lambs amongst wolves. It's tough. It's hard to do. And I love this. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals. Do not greet anyone on the road. What I read in that is that we are to be humble. We are to come with nothing. Uh, It's easy to come with something, with an idea, uh, with money, with service. But actually, I believe that part of being a missionary is to come with nothing and to trust in Jesus to provide along the way. And it's that servant posture that allows us to find the people that God has prepared to receive his message. Uh, When we enter a house, say peace. So in those days, uh, in that culture, people used to say shalom, which literally means peace. Uh, In Aussie culture, you might just say g'day. But um, there's a difference between saying hi and really looking at someone and meaning it like a blessing versus just saying hi and and, uh, not thinking about the person that you're meeting. And there's a sense where you offer peace to a person and you see how they respond. And what I love about the person of peace strategy, as it's been called, is that as we give people our peace, as we as we share our message and actually be overtly spiritual because we are Jesus people, then we will see if people receive the peace of God. We give peace and we look to see those who are prepared in advance to receive it. And the way we know is that they like us, they listen to us, and they serve us. If they are a God-prepared person, well, they don't just take from us, but they actually receive our peace. They serve us. You see this in the scripture. They welcome us in their homes. And when you find people who are curious about God, who are willing to serve you, and who are people who are receptive to the message of peace then actually they're people that God has often prepared in advance to receive his gospel. So I used to think that evangelism was about going out there and convincing people that they needed to love Jesus using my arguments and my ways. But actually, I think we're not meant to have a bag or a purse or sandals. We're meant to come with nothing and trust in the Spirit of God. He is the one through his Holy Spirit that is out into the world, drawing people to himself, convicting people of sin, calling them to receive his love, his mercy, and his fatherhood. And our job is simply to throw out spiritual seeds, to be overtly spiritual, to be lovers of Jesus in the public. And as we talk about our faith and as we talk about who Jesus is to us, to look to see who responds. And that's a really practical thing, and it helps us move from friendly conversations to spiritual conversations. Because you know those people, you say something about Jesus. It might be, I went to church, or uh, for me, I'm a pastor. Or you just mention something about your weekend and your faith and your church community. You'll have different responses if you look. Some people will just want to kind of turn away and change the conversation, you know, that they don't want to talk about Jesus or church or anything spiritual. Uh, But you'll have other people who might kind of ask a second question. They might be somewhat curious. They might not want a deep conversation about faith or Jesus. I mean, that's unusual, but there's an openness. And so the way we find the person of peace, the God-prepared person, is by actually offering our peace, by talking about Jesus, by talking about our love for God and seeing how people respond. And when we find people who have been prepared in advance, well, then stay with them. Don't go from place to place. Don't go from house to house. Invest in those relationships. Love those people. Get to know those people more. And actually, that's where we often see people coming to know Jesus. 
So here's one of the lessons that I learned all those years ago after finding myself exhausted from investing in relationships that actually ended up remaining fairly superficial and didn't lead to faith and joy and peace and newness. And it's the person of peace strategy. Firstly, it's realizing that I'm not the one who leads people to Jesus, that the Holy Spirit is doing it and my job is to look. But secondly, it's to realize that the only way I'll find those people is if I'm spiritual and talk about faith and Christ myself and then look for those who are prepared in advance. Someone once said to me, the way you start is the way you end. The way you start is the way you end. And that was really useful. I used to believe that in order to talk about my faith or talk about Jesus, I needed to build relational cred. I needed to know them for weeks or months or, or even years and to have done heaps of life with someone before I let it slip that I'm a Christian or that I love Jesus or, or that I'm really passionate about others knowing him. But then what I realized is firstly, it's ingenuine and secondly, it doesn't work from a discipleship and mission perspective. So it's ingenuine because well, I love Jesus. It, it's almost like I would become friends with someone and hang out with them and talk about life and then only let it slip maybe six months later that I'm married and I have three kids and that I love them dearly. You know, for me, Jesus is the person I love the most and he transforms my life. It's ingenuine if I hide that from people. Uh, it's much better in my mind to actually talk about my faith and let it out somehow the first time I meet people. And if they're kind of weirded out and they don't want to be friends with me, well, then they're not necessarily the people that are going to be great friends. And yet at the same time, when I find those people who are curious and ask the second question and actually are curious about my faith and who Jesus is to me, then I know those friendships will go deeper and people might actually find Jesus. You know, it really can be weird if you've been friends with someone and you've shared a lot of life with people and, I don't know, become brothers in arms or sisters in arms, and then you start talking about Jesus all the time. You know, it's kind of like, well, that's not what I signed up for. So the way you start is the way you end. Begin by being authentic, which means talk about Jesus because Jesus is the one who redeemed you. And as you do, you'll find people who are prepared by God in advance. It's like a bridge. When you talk about Jesus and when you are faithful in sharing the message of who he is in your life, well, then God will reveal people who want to cross that bridge and move from not just friendly and meaningful conversations, but move to spiritual conversations. And the last bit is gospel conversations. The gospel is a message about Jesus who died and rose again, who defeated death uh, and who rose again in order to redeem you. And he calls us to repent and believe, to change our mind, to turn and to change our actions in response to his call on our life so that we can be apprentices of Jesus, receive the spirit, die to self and live a new life in the kingdom of God. Like the message of Jesus is a message. It's a gospel message. It's good news. And even having spiritual conversations regularly with people, talking about little bits of the Bible or little bits about how God has changed your life, that won't usually lead people to follow Christ because they actually haven't heard the message and haven't been invited to respond. And so I think it's really important for all of us as apprentices of Jesus to know how to give an account of the faith we have in Jesus, uh, for all of us to have a gospel presentation to actually describe who Jesus is and then to ask people if they would like to respond. Now, there are lots of ways to explain the gospel and some are more appropriate for different cultures than others. 
I particularly like the three circles presentation which you can find on www.movements.net. If you look up three circles movements you'll see it near the top of Google. Look just watch the presentation it describes our reality with God, it describes our reality of being broken in sin and our reality that can be if we repent and believe and follow Jesus who died and rose again uh, and invited us to make him king. And of course, another way to share the gospel is to invite people into a hope group. And I'm imagining that most people listening to this talk have been trained in how to run a hope group, how to say to their friends, hey, I'd love to connect with you in a group of people where we can connect online, where we can help other people practically, and where we can experience hope in our lives by reading stories of hope from the life of Jesus. And then to follow the process of asking, what are you thankful for? What's the challenge? reading a story of hope from the life of Jesus and asking some questions about who God is and who we are and, and how we can apply it in our lives, uh, then helping people practically and praying together and then becoming a community together of Christians, of apprentices of Jesus and people who aren't yet apprentices uh, and over time being willing to then explain the gospel and explain who Jesus is to you in a safe and relational group. Uh, there are also other ways of doing it. You can do alpha courses, which are fantastic, or obviously inviting people to church services where they can hear a gospel presentation from someone who feels confident in sharing the gospel. Uh, but my point is that somewhere along the line, our friends will need to hear the message of Jesus and be invited to respond if they are to actually come to know him and experience the hope that we know in him. So just pause for a moment. What might God be saying to you? Do you have enough proximity and frequency and spontaneity in your life to actually make friends? Are you willing to ask questions and be curious about people's lives to have meaningful conversations? Are you able to share your faith and talk about who Jesus is to you just in everyday ways in order to increase the spiritual temperature, to find the person of peace and to have spiritual conversations? And are you able to learn uh, how to share the gospel or to have a strategy to invest in people so that they can hear the gospel in a more structured or formal way. So what might God be saying to you? Where are you in your evangelism journey? And what might you need to do about it? Just pause for a moment. I love how Jesus talks about friendship. In John 15, Jesus says to his disciples, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learnt from my father, I have made known to you. Look, I love this passage. Jesus didn't come to make servants. He came to be our friend, a friend of sinners. And that's who we are and that's who he is in our lives. He is our best friend and he wants us to love others the way he loved us. In our frantic church activities and music practices and Bible studies and outreach events, look, we can sometimes forget the most beautiful gift we have to offer people is friendship, real friendship, spiritual friendship, authentic and integrous friendship in Jesus, where we are real about our love for God in relationship with others. So I encourage you to invest time and build rhythms in your life, build patterns in order to build real and genuine friendships with those who aren't in the church. Be overtly spiritual right from the beginning and 
have eyes to see the God-prepared person, the person of peace that the Holy Spirit wants you to connect with. Over time, love people, stay with them, and increase the spiritual temperature of your conversations, moving from friendly to meaningful to spiritual to gospel conversations. And of course, pray the whole time, knowing that it is not us who leads people to Christ, that he is calling the world back to himself because he loves us and he is our friend. Not only is this type of evangelism and discipleship effective, but it's fun. Our lives get more rich and more full and more meaningful when we're surrounded by people who are discovering Christ. And as they discover Jesus through us, not only does our joy increase, but we also get to learn more about who God is and who we are meant to be as apprentices of Jesus as we grow in relationships with those exploring him together. So, Lord, thank you for friendship and thank you that you've called us to make disciples who make disciples who make disciples. I pray for boldness and courage for us to be witnesses, for us to be friends, and for us to be out there in our faith, increasing our skills and learning to love people on the mission field. I pray for hope and peace in this world for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen.